That's right, everybody. It's Gersh Kunzman here at Brooklyn Paper Radio, along with, of course, Vince DiMaselli, the editor-in-chief of the Brooklyn Paper. Hey, Gersh. You know, we're, we record every week live and on podcast from downtown Brooklyn, which, as you know, is America's downtown. The Brooklyn Paper Building. Yeah, well, you want to say like more to, about that, Vince? I'd like to throw it out there. It's fantastic. Like yeah, and you know, I work for the Daily News. I'm a columnist there doing some great work. And Vince is the Do you work at the Daily News building? <laughs> it's not called the Daily News building, unfortunately. It's called oh. 4 New York Plaza. Please do not Google it because the address comes up in Staten Island, which has been very confusing for my interns. Really? Yeah. Interns well, at least it doesn't come up like in the middle of the, the, inter- of the harbor or interns something. Interns will call me up and they'll say, uh, I got on the ferry. Was that a good idea? It's like, no. Do you want to go to Staten Island? <laughs> is, is that ever a good idea? <laughs> well, if you're going to Staten Island. I guess. Anyway, I, Vince, I, want, I start every show the same way. I'm like, look, I've had a tough week. Great to see you. What have you been doing? What have you been doing with yourself? Well, for the last few hours, I've been trying to get the sound correct on this uh, on the radio show. I will say that. And you know why? But I got We got to talk about that. That the, all the bedlam in Brazil. I know What's we're gonna going to get to the Brazilian now? crisis. It's really great the way you spent time working on the sound because we have a very special guest. We do. And I know I say that we had Borough President Adams on. We had Carlos Santana, the guitar legend. He was great. Well, we even had that other guy, Michael Moore, the filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot that. of hits on that one. Lots, well, lots today we've stuff. got former congressman and emerging elder statesman of the Democratic Party, Anthony Weiner, no how, less than Anthony Weiner. How old is he that he's an elder statesman? He is neither old nor a statesman, frankly, but we're <laughs> going to ask him about that. The great thing about Weiner is he's emerging, though, lately. He's been through Twitter and through his appearances on TV and radio and now on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Yes, of course. He is emerging as a guy, a go-to guy, because first of all, remember, he knows a lot. About politics. He's been been around a while. Yeah, and we're in a political season, so I say it's great that he's coming on. But in order to have a guest of his stature, Mm -hmm. you need to have advertisers on a show like this. You do. So I'm going to just start it off by saying, (laughs) listen, Vince, I know you want to get to that uh, that story about Budweiser changing the name of the beer to America. But I want to start it off just by saying, look, I've got some back pain, and I know a lot of my readers do, and my listeners. Well, I go to Brooklyn Spine Center at 5911 16th Avenue because Melinda Keller's got a machine called the DRX 9000. It's a spinal decompression device that basically, I don't know, uses like a pumping action. There's a sort of pumping action. Yeah, yeah, and it's a pumping action that allows the um, body's own nutrients to flow into the affected disc. So if you've got sciatica or degenerative disc disease like I do, you go to Melinda Keller. First, you call her at 718-475-9438. She'll tell you if the DRX 9000 is right for you. If it isn't, she's got other treatments. She'll do everything from acupuncture to zoology. That was A to Z. Did you notice that? That's very good. Anyway, Melinda Keller at the Brooklyn Spine Center. Please call 718-475-9438, and she'll help you with that back pain. Vince, you want to tell us a little about your favorite steakhouse? You know what I love about Atlas Steakhouse? Tell me. I love the steaks. That's the most important thing about Atlas Steakhouse. Atlas Steakhouse, of course, is a Mediterranean-style steakhouse. Not the German kind. I hate that. It's completely, completely different. You go in there, and they do everything right. They uh, they are located at 943 Coney Island Avenue in uh, Ditmas Park. It's an up-and-coming neighborhood in Brooklyn. You know, we got lots of steakhouses in Brooklyn, but none of them, none of them give you the kind of service, the price, the location. Everything about Atlas Steakhouse makes you want to go back again and again and again. Because at Atlas Steakhouse, you are always a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse, of course, at 943 Coney Island Avenue in Dittmas Park. It's by 18th Avenue. You can give them a call at 646-494-7227. And of course, they're always online at atlassteak.com. That's great, because when you have a toothy steak like that, What are you going to need afterwards? Good teeth. you got to go to the dentist. So I talked to a guy named Joseph Lichter. He's a DDS. He's on Avenue P in Brooklyn. 
That P is for periodontal. periodontal. We figured that out. Yeah. Anyway, he's got Invisalign. He's got the well, what, smile right. You got to smile right. He does cleanings. He does, by the way, the Invisalign is that inside braces so you can't see him. Mm -hmm. He's got the teeth whitening. He's got the teeth cleaning. He's got, if you haven't flossed in years, he's not going to be one of those guys who says, you're not flossing. He's going to say, look, I can help you. So all you do is you call him, 718-339-7878. His prices, he's like the crazy Eddie of dentistry. His prices are so low, he's practically giving it all away. Yeah, practically. I mean, he is. And and look at the models on his site. Shop around, get the best prices you can find, come to Dr. Joseph Lichter and see what he can do. JosephLichterDDS.com. That's J-O-S-E-P-H-L-I-C-H-T-E-R-D-D-S.com. You smile with confidence. And when you see those models... You'll know why they're smiling with confidence. On that website, yeah. Anyway, so Vince, we had to pay some bills, and it was important because we got Anthony Weiner, former congressman from Midwood. Now, you used to call him the Midwood Mouth. Why is that? Yeah, we have an edition of the newspaper. This came out back when, I don't know, there used to what be year is that? There was a different editor. It was 2010. A different editor. 2010. Yeah. You're talking to uh, editor emeritus Gersh Kunzman. Yeah, he was here. And uh, the headline on this, uh, it was August 6, 2010, the Midwood Mouth, Anthony Weiner explodes on the floor of Congress. Uh, there's a link on our website right now. You can go and you could actually watch what happened when Anthony Weiner got very upset about, I guess, I think it was uh, Peter King. Well, because it was about 9-11, I think, protecting the victims they were trying of, to get. Uh, they were trying to make sure that the money was going to go to the victims of, of 9-11 and the, uh, the first responders and people that were sick. And he wanted people to just take a stand, to vote yes or vote no. It's about a three-minute video, and it's about as exciting as the House of Representatives can get. It's kind of funny that we said explodes on the floor of Congress, and this was before the scandal that eventually led to his demise as a member of Congress. We had, we had no idea what was coming. No, but you know, explodes a good. It's a good word for a headline. Well, let's so let's give that. him a call. Yeah, Vince, I'm going to ask you to call him, and I'm going to ask our uh, Jimmy. I'm going to ask you to cover up the sound of the dialing. Yeah, cover the sound because I dialing. think this is a private number. You yeah, got that, Vince? Yeah, we're going to do that. Nine one seven. All right, it's a private number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, Anthony. Come on. Yeah, you know, it's never easy because I can't read Gersh's writing. That's nine. That's interesting. That's very interesting. So now that should that should pop over. Apparently there, there's there's some noise outside. You hearing that? Something's going on downstairs. That's all right. Brooklyn paper. Bill. I'm always so nervous when we make these calls because you never know if you're going to get voicemail. Did you dial the right number? Hello. Is that Con- Congressman Anthony Weiner? Yes. This is Gersh Kunstman of Brooklyn Paper Radio, and you're on the air with Vince DiMaselli, the editor of the Brooklyn Paper. How are you, sir? It's great having a conversation with you guys. What's going on? Well, are you are you in the middle of something? It sounds like you're at a playground with Jordan or something. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm on the streets of New York. You guys are an authentic uh, New York outlet. I figured I'd be on the streets of New York when I talk to you. Sounds very good. Just do not get run over and certainly do look not out, walk. Yeah, look out for trucks and buses and, and cross on the green, not in between. Exactly. Well, I know you got news to you. I got news to you, Vince. Even a car would knock me over. There you go. <laughs> That's very true. All right, so listen, we go, you're walking on the street. We're going to get right to it. Now, Congressman, when, Vin, when I said to Vinny, uh, I wanted to have you on the show. He said, well, are you going to ask your patented tough questions? And I said, no, Vince, no. Because I don't think need to grill Anthony Weiner because he's not some kind of free-range salmon. He hasn't done anything wrong. And whatever you think he did wrong, he's already atoned for it 16.5 times over. So I welcome you, Congressman. I welcome you for coming on Brooklyn Paper Radio. But I do well, have first to... Of all, I, don't know, I don't know why you're telling me the conversation. You could have reenacted it for all of your listeners. That's, what, that's why I do it. Now, but I am going to ask the tough question right off the bat. 
The race, we're going to talk presidential politics. We do that on Brooklyn Paper. We had the borough president on. He's a president. He is a president. The race looks like it's going to be Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So who are you supporting and why is it not Donald Trump? (laughs) I'm supporting Hillary Clinton because I'm a proud American. Well, come on, sir. Come on. A little better than that. You got to do better than that. Give me a reason. I actually don't think I really need one for most of your listeners. I mean, look, I... I don't think it's an important job, and Hillary Clinton is, I don't know, let's think about this, maybe the most qualified person ever to run for president, maybe since George Washington. Oh, I think that ooh, she's done a- every job that she's been given remarkably well. Donald Trump, on the other side of the coin, is a failed developer, a failed merchandiser. He's a, a xenophobic racist. I, I mean, it, to me, it's kind of self-evident, and... That's why she's going to win by a lot, in my view. Is Donald Trump, in fact, a failed billionaire? I, did, well, a fa- I don't <laughs> have to be a failed billionaire, but he's failed at every endeavor he's had, right? Did His you? I don't know if you had a chance. I don't know if you had a chance because you're walking. I just posted a column on the Daily News site. You remember when he tweeted out the other day about how much he loves Hispanics because of the taco bowl at Trump Tower? It turns out that taco bowl is made by an Irishman. I found that out today. So he doesn't even, <laughs> he can't even tell a taco bowl. Anyway, throw that out there. That's brilliant. All right, so you're supporting Hillary. I like that you said she's the most qualified candidate since Washington. Because I think, and I'll throw it open to our, our listeners, C- comment on our site. Uh, is Was there a more qualified presidential candidate? I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking like uh, Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr. Oh, that's a good one. That's going back. No, I'm talking about Washington. <laughs> anyway, well, that's fair enough. Very qualified. I get it. But a lot of people are going to hear you say that. They're going to say, look, you're just a classic Brooklyn liberal. But you represented Midwood, which is a, a, a different different from a lot of where our listeners live. Do you think Midwood is backing Hillary or Trump? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I happen to think, I happen to think that, that despite the conventional wisdom, Donald Trump is a fairly unifying figure in that when you have 75% of the country agreeing on something that he is, that they don't like him, it's kind of like a safe now cocktail party elevator conversation you can have with anyone and talk about how crazy and unqualified and erratic Donald Trump is. But look, I, I, I represent a congressional district that only voted for Obama with 55% of the vote in 2008. So I think I, I mean, you know, I've got my opinions. Your listeners also should know if they don't already that my wife is the vice chair of Hillary's campaign. But all that being said, you know, getting back to the thing about qualifications, I mean, you can make an argument that people who have served as vice president maybe have been closer to the job. But I don't know, first lady, senator, secretary of state, I actually have given this a fair amount of thought and argued with a few people about this. I I have yet to find anyone with a convincing argument for who's more qualified maybe in our nation's history. And when you put on top of that the fact that we are long overdue for a woman president and and that I think that she would – she has a, a, you know, the, the temperament and experience for the job. I think no matter who she was running against, I, I would probably support her. But all that being said, she's running against one of the most unqualified human beings ever to stand for president. <laughs> but we have to be clear on this. Hillary has never hosted a reality television show. Is that correct? Um, yeah, she did. She was married to Bill Clinton and still is. So it's arguable. So, oh, that's right. But, I, um, you can make, you can make the no, case that, in fact, she did. Yeah. She was the first lady of that reality show. Yes. Well, all right. Well, that's fair enough. Now, you did have the full disclosure. You're a bit bought and paid for because your wife does work for Hillary. But nonetheless, you're saying regardless of your marital status, you would still be backing Hillary. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm also a proud Democrat. It's really not that tough a call. 
We are really not going to spend much time on whether I'm supporting Hillary Clinton. No, we're moving on. We're moving on. I wanted to ask you the real, the real question, which is you're emerging as something of an elder statesman in the Democratic Party. I never thought of you as old, and I certainly don't think of you as a statesman. So it's partly you're, you're very active on Twitter. You're very active. You're doing interviews now, including with Brooklyn Paper Radio, which is going to reach a whole new audience for you. What's going on here? You're, you're coming out of the shadows a little bit. How do you feel about that, and why are you doing it? I can't imagine anyone who would ever describe me as being in the shadow. Sometimes I wish I was, but no, I haven't been in the shadow for 25 years in New York life. I, I, I am the elder statesman of the Democratic Party, which is akin to being the tallest pygmy on the basketball team. Um, Can but, you say pygmy yeah, nowadays? Just, um, know, when people ask me my opinion on stuff, I give them. And since I don't have my own political career to be concerned about anymore, perhaps I'm a little more free to tell you the unvarnished truth. Well, I did have one question, though. When you, you know, we go back to when you were in Congress and left Congress under that incident that we all know all about and don't have to relive. I was always wondering, why didn't you just run for your seat again and say, look, my voters, my, my constituents want me back in Congress, and that would have been the path back to, to legislative office, representative government. Why not just do that? Well, it's easier said than done when both the Speaker of the House and the majority leader and the minority leader of the House agree that they want you to leave. Mm. When they they say they're going to have an a uh, ethics investigation, even though there was no law broken and no rule broken, exactly, it would have been a multi-million dollar endeavor for mm. me just to be able to defend myself, and I don't have that kind of money. So I was basically forced out. I think you would have won. Vince, um, Vince is a bit more conservative that's true, than me. But then I would have spent. I w- the only point is I would have spent. I would have spent years defending myself and, and having to pay for lawyers and stuff like that. And my most important imperative at that moment in my life was not my career, it was my family. That's a good point. Very good oh, point. Thank you. So, well, Vince, Vince well, speaking is, of that point in your life, now the, the documentary movie is coming out about that. Have, uh, have you seen it? Do you have any thoughts about it? I haven't seen it. No, I don't. <laughs> well, will you see it? I mean, it's, it's coming out, like, I think next Friday. You've got to see it. I uh, probably won't. I think it's supposed to be on Showtime in a bunch of months or something. Maybe I'll see it if it's ever free on my TV, and I, I'm too lazy to change the channel. Maybe I will, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to pay money to see it. Yeah, they got clickers. I now. actually already. I, you, you might not be aware of this. I already lived it. I know how it. How it well, is. I was. Gonna, that's what I was going <laughs> to ask you. It's like you were in the middle of a campaign. Why would you have even wanted those cameras around? Because my understanding is you were okay with that guy doing a documentary. Um, he he effectively worked for the campaign. That was kind of the deal. He would. It, we used his video in our ads. We used our video in our rebuttal. We used it on our website, and in exchange, he got access to the um, to the content. I see. I see. Okay, hmm, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, another another member of the House of Rep who uh, had a had some issues. I, I would say that his, his issues were more severe than yours. Was uh, Michael Grimm? Did, now, did you ever catch up with him while while you were in Congress? And and they're yep. talking about a return for him. What what do you think about that? How how would you how would you describe him to our, our listeners? Oh, as a human being, I mean, he's a he's a convicted felon. I mean, I don't know what you mean. Well, did you you well, you you were in Congress with him at the same time at some point? Yeah, we overlapped somewhat. Yeah, so, I overlapped with his predecessor and with him. So, did you work with him? Um, not on a lot of stuff, to be honest with you. Not on a lot of stuff. We got along okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem was, I mean, look, he he was always something of a disappointment to me in that I always thought that a New York Republican would be a good bridge to the craziness of the Republican Party, help us get things passed, like there's the Droga Act mm-hmm. and Sandy Aid and things like that. And unfortunately, he never really was willing to put much capital on the line with his Republican colleagues to get stuff done, and that was a disappointment. But um, 
Um, I mean, as, as a personal matter, we got along fine. So he never threatened to break you like a little boy like he did one of our colleagues. Well, you've seen me. I'm, I'm a pretty intimidating figure. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to say, it would not be hard to break you. I wouldn't break you like a little boy, but, it, you know. But, 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 what, you're what, a, but you're an active hockey player, though, and I, I want to give a little plug. We always let our, our, our guests plug something. How's your team doing at Chelsea Piers? We won on Tuesday. Nice. Um, we, uh, let's see, uh, we're, we're doing pretty well. We're, we're over 500. We have a good squad. Our goaltending is spotty, but besides that, we're a pretty good team. Wait, you're the goaltender. Ah, yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, full disclosure was not coming there unless I asked the tough questions, Vince. <laughs> well, I was, that was my next question was who's actually the goaltender. Yeah. I, I want to see who he's putting on the, uh, on the spot. How come we haven't talked about the most important issue facing New York City today? Go ahead. Why we haven't required iced coffee uh, vendors to make their ice out of coffee. I'm glad I'm glad you've done the legwork on me, Congressman, <laughs> because that is my issue. I don't think you can legislatively mandate it, but you're a legislator. Could you could you pass that law? Could you pass a law like that? If you're selling something as coffee when it's a large portion is water, if you had if if you were had had your coffee watered down with cups full of water before you put the coffee mm. in, they would be out. It's outrageous. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I was, I was on this, Gersh, before you were, if you, took, if you checked my Twitter. Th that is true. That is very true. But no, he's making a very good point. You could actually legislate what they put in the cup as, as long as they call it. But they could call that drink something else. They might call it like a, a, a coldie. And then you couldn't legislate that's what how is they, in That's it. how they nail you. A yeah. coldie. And that's it, how they get around. I just, I There's just, always a loophole. And look, by the way, I mean, I think that this is a function of education as well. Uh -huh. I think if, if enough, you know, we have so much high-end coffee in this town. Anyone who's buying a $7 iced coffee brewed at the exact perfect temperature and the beans are, are mm. fair trade shipped in from, from you know, a co-op in Guatemala, and then they add ice made out of water mm. that melts into water. It's just it's a, it's, it's just a shanda, as my grandmother used to say. That is New York oh, water, that. by the way. It's New York water. My, I was just, you know, what's the freezing point of scotch? Because as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, when I get a, a scotch on the rocks, I think those ice cubes should also, they should be made out of scotch. Yeah, but, yeah, because but would it be good scotch or would they give you the lousy I don't know. You well, need if, you're, if you're putting ice in your scotch, ah. you're obviously dr not drinking good scotch. Well, no, if you're, uh, you're out in a restaurant, right, you're just having Johnny Walker red because you're just trying to pass the time. <laughs> and, you know, you say you're going to get that on the rocks. So if you get that on the rocks, I would prefer those rocks to be made out of Johnny Walker red. Yeah, you prefer the rocks to be made out of Johnny Walker blue, and then as it melts, you get a better whiskey. No, no Johnny Walker, <laughs> we don't need Whatever. to go into yeah, the whole, on, the whole what do you call it, about scotch. But the, 